father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Today we're, this is episode 166 with Coach Russ Davis. Russ Davis is the head women's basketball coach at Vanguard University in Costa Mesa, California. He has a career record of 612 and 155. Russ Davis is four-time NAIA Coach of the Year, led the Lions to the 2008 NAIA National Championship as a member of both the NAIA and Vanguard University Hall of Fame. He is first in active in NAIA coaches with an overall career winning percentage of 806. His squads have captured 12 GSAC titles, and he personally has nine GSAC Coach of the Year awards under his belt. Additionally, he is the all-time leader in wins and winning percentage for the GSAC. In all, Davis teams at Vanguard have made 21 trips to the NEI National Tournament. The Lions have made five Fab Four appearances, 2003, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2017 at the NEI Division I Women's Basketball Championships, finishing third the first three times before winning the national championship in 2008. Davis and his squads have been to the Elite Eight 11 times during his coaching tenure. Coach Davis has 35 wins at the NEI National Tournament, ranking him the highest of any active coach. His teams have appeared in 187 straight national polls dating back to 2002, and Davis, Davis's Lions have been ranked number one in the nation 44 times. Vanguard women's basketball under Davis ranks third in the history of the NEI in overall number one rankings in coaches' polls. Union and Vanguard are the only programs to have spent an entire season ranked number one. Vanguard in 2005-2006 and 2006-2007. Vanguard also holds the GSAC record for the most conference victories in a single season, going undefeated 20-0 in GSAC games in back-to-back seasons from 2005 to 2007. 
named the WBCA Women's Basketball Coaches Association National NEI Coach of the Year Award in 2005 and 2009, and WBCA's Coach of the Year for the West Region in 2006. Davis earned the NEI's National Coach of Character in 2007 and added the NEI Coach of the Year to his accolades in 2008. Russ is a national raider for the NEI and previously served as president and vice president for the NEI Women's Basketball Coaches Association. He is also a member of the NEI All-American Committee. He is also on the Kodak Women's Basketball All-America Committee and then served on the board of directors for the WBCA since 2005. Coach, I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. We have a, probably one of the best all-time women's basketball coaches uh, in the history of the game on that. And really, uh, the NEIA goes unnoticed a lot of times. But I think your best coaches and teachers are coaching at this level. So I think you're really going to pick up uh, how he has built his program. Uh, We're really kind of got to get into his defensive system, which is the buzz defense. And also, we're going to talk about his struggles with uh, his diabetes and cancer that he's been dealing with for the past you know, five, six, seven years. So uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. Coach Russ Davis. Coach Davis. Yes. Yes. Can you hear me? You got it, man. All right. Fabulous. Hey, I'm really looking forward to uh, speaking with you, coach. I appreciate you taking the time out. Yeah, no problem. I hope I can, uh, hope I can help in any way. Absolutely. And uh, I had so many coaches. Um, I've interviewed a lot of coaches from California. Um, <clears throat> Kevin Kiernan, <clears throat> uh, all these guys that really spoke so highly. Mike DeVilbus, uh really mentioned you about the buzz defense and so forth. So I said, man, I, I got to get a hold of this guy. <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, no problem. That's what happens when you're old. You got you have a. You have a lot of guys that are trying to pass it off on me or something. Who knows? <laughs> well, you got, I guess you got a great lineage, I guess, of coaches. Which, you, Hey, that's important, right? Yeah, I do have a lot of former players that are uh, coaching through my club and through my all my years of coaching. Uh, last time I counted, I was just a little over 200, so that's that's pretty nice. That's that's great. Um, hey, I, I want I want our audience kind of get to know you and so forth. And I really enjoyed studying um, kind of your your past and what you've gone through and so forth. Currently, um, tell us about your your involvement as a youth growing up in sports and how that kind of led you to becoming the you know really the awesome the great coach that you are right now. Well, first of all, thanks for the compliment. Um, real quick. You're- you know, you're just as good as your uh, environment and your players, as we all know, but I uh, appreciate it. Um, bear with me on my throat, as as um, you're probably aware, I've been dealing with, uh, you know, cancer over the last year and battling through that. So sometimes it gives out on me. So, yeah, not a problem at all. Take your time, coach. No problem. And uh, but grew up in a in a home where uh, parents were together all the way up to my senior year in high school. But um kind of sports fanatics we were kind of front runners grew up in southern california um we went to uh, usc football games on saturdays ram games on sundays we had season tickets to both um 
my uh my dad uh i used to watch the replays of the ucla bruins men's basketball games at 11 p.m and dick enberg was the announcer uh we sure. didn't watch them live but we watched replays of them and went to laker games um you know there was only 17,505 seats in the, in the forum, but I was at a game with my dad when they played the Knicks, when Jerry West hit that 63 foot shot to put it into overtime. Right. And, uh, but there was about a hundred thousand people that say they were there. But, um, so I grew up going to those things. I was fortunate enough to go to a lot of the Super Bowls um, in the area here. Um, so, uh, yeah. And I first, first experience coaching was coach my little brother's t-ball team and then i coached his uh his little um um fifth and sixth grade team and and that's kind of how i got the coaching bug when i was uh you know still in high school whatever so i just kind of coached from there and then i got asked right out of high school to to um to coach um at a local high school at woodbridge high school in irvine and I coached the sophomore boys team there and then uh, did that for a while. Then it was like a varsity assistant did both. And then when I played in high school, Urban High School, one of my teammates was uh, Greg Wooden, who now runs the Wooden Foundation, whose grandfather was was uh, the great John Wooden. Right, so sure. I graduated in high school in 79. So that's a couple of years after coach retired. And he sometimes he would show up in our practices and just walk in and we were we were probably the worst team on the planet, but when he came in, everybody was sure working hard. Um, <laughs> kind of, kind of yeah. So uh, I kind of, you know, watching UTLA games as a kid and watching John Wooden walk in your gym and then get an opportunity to meet him on a couple of different occasions and go to his house a couple of times. And he was kind of, you know, that was real exciting as a young coach to be able to pick Coach's brain up there in his little cottage up there and – uh I believe it was in Sino or something. Uh, but um, so those are some special moments. And then I just got the bug and I coached guys for my, about the first 10 years of coaching. And then uh, I was at Woodbridge and a, a women's assistant coach uh, asked me to help him one, one year. So I kind of, I did double duty and then uh, he wanted to take a sabbatical. So I took the team over and um, that year we were fortunate and had, you know, continued the success they had before and even stepped it up a notch because we had the right players. And then, then, uh, um, he, he came back and I took another job at a local high school in Costa Mesa. Did that for a couple of years. That was probably the best coaching move I ever made because I had to kind of rebuild a program that most people graduated. So I had to go out to PE classes and kind of look and see who was, who was athletic and try to teach them basketball and get back to the fundamentals and, and, uh, that was still a girls team so i did that and then uh over my current school vanguard university it was called southern california college at the time they uh the coach over there asked me if i wanted to come over kind of known for my defense back in the day um asked me if i wanted to come over and and uh and help him with the defense and kind of be an assistant coach so i i did double duties on that i i was an assistant over there at sec in 1995, 96 season, and uh, was still a head coach at Estancia. And then when then he had some health issues and he stepped down, and then the AD over there asked me if I wanted to take over, and I had to think about it because I really liked my high school team. We were real close. 
And so, but eventually I talked to them and they're like, Hey coach, we're going to get out of here. You need to go do that. And so it was, uh, so I kind of did that and I kind of, that's where I've been it's going on my 25th year and um, kind of inherited a program that wasn't very strong. And a lot of people didn't even know it was a college, to be honest with you, because it was, it's kind of tucked away behind a police station um, here in Costa Mesa. And a lot of people thought it was, you know, maybe when I got the word out, they thought it was a junior college. So I had my work, work ahead of me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then started doing that and I'm kind of rambling here. Is that too much information? I, I love that. I love, I mean, I just love hearing the, the stories of how coaches kind of get into the coaching profession. It's amazing. Some of the best coaches that I interview, how, how they kind of come into coaching. And, you know, um, what I love about your story is I, I'm a high school girls coach. Um, and I really, you know, but I enjoy talking to boys, coaches, football coaches, anybody, but it's amazing how you started as a high school coach and is there that much difference? I think people always ask, like, what's the difference between college coaching and high school on as far as building a program? Is there that much difference or is I know there's recruiting and things like that. But what was the difference between the high school and then going to Vanguard and trying to build a program there? Well, I've kind of coached the same way wherever I've been, if it was coaching guys or coaching girls. Um, but I've definitely learned over the years, um, you know better ways to do things. And, you know, and I think the day we stop learning is the day we need to stop coaching and teaching personally. Sure. But, um, I don't think there's much difference between, I mean, obviously some places are going to have better finances. They're going to have better support. You're going to be able to, you know, recruiting, like you said, is huge because you can go out and recruit your own players and then you're in high school. Not that it doesn't happen in high school. I mean, I know people, they say, yeah, they, right. they, say they, don't <laughs> they say they don't recruit, but sure. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but so, um, you know, but you can kind of go out and watch people and kind of pick who, you know, and, and, and try to recruit the ones that best fit your style and your philosophy and what you're trying to get across. And, you know, I'm lucky to be at a faith-based school. So, um, you know, I want to, I want to bring people in that are going to be comfortable um, in that environment also, then and they're going to buy into what, what we're trying to teach them, um, you know, on the court and off the court. So, um, I, I don't, I think, um, biggest difference between high school and college as far is usually just the physicality of it. And then being away from parents and, and, uh, you know, having to make those changes. But as far as building a program, I think the biggest thing is you have to, you have to establish your, what your core values are, you know, and you have to treat everybody equally. So many people are so in high school, I think these days, since, I mean, I know this cause I have a lot of my former players that are coaching at that level. And, you know, there's a lot of parents that like they get involved and they're asked to get involved because they have to fundraise. So then sometimes right. the more they get involved the more they fundraise and the more they feel like they have an opinion, you know, and, uh, or tell you how to do things or, or, you know, and that just comes with the territory. So I think you have to establish really good communication and you have to be fair because I think there's, you know, you go to these club tournaments or you go to high school. I mean, there's a lot of parents sitting up in the stands with, with notebooks and they're keeping stats and they're keeping score. They're not only keeping score of the game, but <laughs> they're keeping score of how you sub and how you treat people and, and, and you know, and, you know, and, and, you know, how you discipline people and how you, 
how you coach certain people. And as soon as they think that their kid's getting, not everybody, but there's some, you know, this, this, they're getting the wrong of the stick, then they're, then they're going to be confrontational. So I think being consistent is really important. You know, <clears throat> you can't treat your star players different than the people that maybe don't play very much because I think one of the things that's helped me be successful all these years is that, you know, I, I try to make sure everybody feels like they're a part of it. And that's, that's not easy to do because everybody wants to play. But one of the things I got from Coach David, I mean, Coach, uh, Coach Wooden back in the day was, is the two best teachers in the game of basketball were the bench and the baseline. You know? Sure. And because uh, <laughs> everybody wants to play and nobody wants to run, you know. So um, I try to incorporate um, those kind of things, too. But like, I think communication is absolutely essential. Um, as you know, I coach a club team, too kind of high level club team through the UIBL circuit. I've been with Nike for about 20 years now. So um, that I, I get some good athletes there to work with as well. And, and uh, there's a sense of entitlement there, um, not just with my team, but with the youth nowadays. And uh, that's something that I talk about a lot um, that I, I wish we could change, but I don't think people keep, people keep saying that the kids are different. I don't think necessarily kids are different. I think how we coach them is different, you know, and people are afraid to coach their kids because they don't like it. They're going to transfer or they're going to do this or, you know, or if Johnny's, you know, Johnny or Melissa's mom or dad raised more money than they think their kids should play more. So, you know, if I was to go back and coach high school again, then I would make sure I set parameters up and make sure that people understood, you know, what their role is. And, and, uh, and I try to be, I've kind of lived my life on telling people what they need to hear and what they want to hear, you know, and, and you have to be truthful with them because it's hard to remember all, all the stuff if you weren't, you know, and they're, like I said, they're, they're taking mental notes or writing notes down and, and they're going to come back and say, well, two years ago you said this and you're not doing it. So it's really important that you, you stick to your, your guns and your engines and, and be consistent with that. And then, and if you aren't consistent, you mess up, then, then admit it, you know, we make mistakes all the time, you right. know, and so do players. But I think the coaches that do the best are the ones that don't make it all about them and make it about the, the team because, you know, some coaches get their ego involved and, you know, I had moments of doing that too. I'll admit it. You, you get competitive and, you know, then, then you have to ground yourself or you, or you, you, you definitely need accountability partners to, to be able to, uh, to hold you that you need, you need friends, not acquaintances. Friends are going to tell you when you're messing up acquaintances are just going to go along and agree with you because of who you are, or what you stand for or whatever else. So, but I can go on and on and get my tangent. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, I love the advice because even though, um, I, I, I can definitely, I can definitely connect with you on with parents and so forth on that. And I guess you learn through experience and I think coaches need to learn from listening to coaches like you to gain that insight into how to connect. I, I call it connection. I don't call it dealing with parents. I bring my parents in and I have my parents. They're really involved coach, because I think today you have to involve parents. You have to keep them close to you. Um, unfortunately, that's just, that's just the way it is. And, um, I, I keep them involved. So, uh, but I do agree with you 
that parents are a key to success. Yeah, and I think you can work. But what about I think you can yeah. work with them? I mean, uh, you know, I I think you got to get them to trust you, but that takes time. They're not going to trust you just because you're the coach. They got to trust you, and, and sure, and, and you got you got to trust you by your actions, not just your words. And one of the things I like to tell them after they get to, I get to know them a little bit is like, hey, you know, you just got to try trust me i know what i'm doing you know and 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 right. leave the coaching to me I, I don't want you to come in here and tell me how to coach and i don't and i'm not going to go into your house and tell you how to be a parent you know um, right so you know but uh, you know i think that takes time and again i think you're going to get that trust by being consistent and not being wishy-washy or not letting what thing you can't do is have a line of parents waiting to talk to you after games and you know you, they talk to you and you next thing you know their kid it's playing more the next game because then that that line is, that line is never going to end, and I'm, I would be naive to think that doesn't happen. You know, because people are pe- coaches are afraid of parents, and then in high school the principals are afraid of the parents. You know, and the right. superintendents are afraid of everybody's afraid of them because they they hold all the cards. So it's like, uh, you know, um, so. I think I don't. I don't. I think they all just. It's not like they're trying to be bad. They just want what's best for their kid, and they want what's fair. So it's really important that you be fair and you explain to them this is how we're going to do it. And you know, and, and and if you don't agree with me, this is the avenue how we how we need to get down there. We don't need to jump over my head and go right to the principal, or the athletic director, or the superintendent. Let's try to work it out first. You know, and then if we can't work it out, then that's that's what's the next step. It's kind of like when you talk to your team. If you have a problem with a player, you go to your player first and see if you can work it out. And if that doesn't work, then you go to your captain. If that doesn't work, you go to the assistant coach. And then finally, the last step is going to the head coach. But you don't go straight over everybody and go right to the head coach there, you know, you, 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 because that doesn't sit well. Because then your team's going to be like watching the TV show Survivor. You know, you're going to have all these alliances. <laughs> and coaching girls, you know, I mean – you know, we don't have any rules really, but we have a couple main standards. And one of them is don't let your teammates down. And and then the second one is no drama. There's drama kills. I mean, if you have a spark right. there, you better you got to stomp it out because otherwise it's going to turn into a raging wildfire. You know, and then you can have all kinds of messes. Then you're going to look at your team at the end of the year and go, why didn't we reach our goals? It's because we had to go. We weren't coaching basketball or coaching life skills. We were coaching and getting rid of the drama and dealing with all this other stuff. So that took away from the basketball part. So I think those are critical parts. Yeah. And, and that kind of transitions, uh, transitions to my next question is what are your non-negotiables? So I'm assuming are those, those two, do you have uh, other non-negotiables in your program? And I know you mentioned quite a bit consistency and communication, what are some things that, man, this is, this is how we do these. This is your philosophy. This is your system. Well, at Vanguard, since we're faith-based, we, you know, we have five main, you know, principles. And one, the first one is we put God first. And then the second one is we put, we put family follows that. And then third, we have academics. And fourth, we have character and faith building. And then fifth, we have basketball. Okay. So you know, because, and I say, everybody knows me, hears me say this all the time, but it's so true. These people that we're coaching, you know, especially like you, you're a high school coach, right? So you're going to have these kids for four, yes. four years. And then maybe they're going to, you know, out of, the, out of the 12 kids you have, if you're, you know, if you're a decent high school team, you might have, you know, one or two go on and play in college. And if you're really good, you're going to have more than that. 
Okay. But so, but what they're doing is they're going on to being in society. So our real thing is, is even though we're coaching basketball, we have to teach life skills. So we have to get them ready for that. So being a person is more important than being a basketball player. It's not who they are. It's just something they do. So I think the coaches that have much success are the ones that are teaching life skills too. So, you know, I think it's some, I think it's important that you, uh, that's why we put basketball down there, but that, that's definitely ahead of social media and boyfriends and, and everything else, you know, and, and, and some of go on the beach and we happen to live by the beach here. So, you know, you know, or, or using your season pass to Disneyland or whatever it is you got, you know, but, but sure, that, sure. you know, so those, that's kind of what ours are in our program. Here at Bangor. Yeah. I love how you're sharing that. And I think it's hard. I think we all have like values in our program, but are we fighting for those values? Cause it's easy coach as you're saying, is to let something go because maybe your team is struggling. Do you think that's prevalent in coaching nowadays? Yeah, we have these values, and but do we focus on the result more than the process? Well, uh, yes, it happens, but um, that's going to come back to bite you. You know, um, I think that's why you have a lot of programs that don't that are only good once in a while, but the ones that are just uh, that have the sustainability are the ones that are consistent in their actions. You know, um, I think people say they don't want discipline, but they do. They, they want it. They, they want to know what's happening. And then the good players are going to want that, you know? So, um, otherwise you have the players and the parents running the thing, you know, because if, if you're going to allow one person to, you might as well allow everybody. And then you, your accountability goes right out the window. So, I mean, yes, to, to, for us to sit here and say it doesn't happen would be, I'm sure we both know several coaches or programs that, that have that happen because they're worried about the ultimate thing or they're, you know, they're worried about the, the win loss record and, you know, and, and that's nice. And, and, and if you looked up, you probably seen that I, you know, I have a pretty good win loss record, you know, um, but I'm more proud of the wins I have after they're done with me than the ones that they are when they're playing with me. So, um, but that's now when I was a young coach, you know, I'd be lying to you if I told you that wasn't, you know, that wasn't the case, but I've grown to understand and appreciate that and, and learn from that and learn from my mistakes. So, uh, but that's something that I try to, to make sure everybody understands that you gotta, you gotta get that at a younger age and, and go because you're going to have a much healthier and you're going to feel much better about yourself. You're not going to, you're not going to feel guilt or, you know, you're not going to take as much that stuff home with you and, and then, and then wonder if your team's still on board because how you treated somebody differently, you know, because it's like, you know, you had to win the game, you know, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to, people aren't going to remember those. Like, I don't know how many state championships you guys have where you're at, but like a lot of, a lot of states only have one state champion. You know, California has several because they're so big, right. but um, you know, only one team really goes home happy at the end of the year, you know, winning their last game, you know? So, uh, you know, so they're going to, they're going to remember the journey, but they're going to remember the relationships. They're going to remember how they're treated. They're going to remember those things more than they're going to remember what their overall record is. Yeah, I totally agree. Yes. Um, and I guess you just have to learn. That's, that's just part of the coaching journey, right, coach? You have to learn as a young coach and sometimes you have to learn the hard way and so forth. Um, tell me about, first of all, tell me how's your health doing? It sounds like you're in recovery. Uh, I'm hoping you are. 
and praying that you are. Just kind of tell us a little bit about your current situation and um, are you planning to come back into coaching? Yeah. So last year about this time, I started uh, I started treatments for my my cancer. Um, I had throat cancer, so um, I started chemo and radiation. Um, you know, in June, July, and I was finished in August. I had 35 straight days of radiation. And so, um, you know, uh, the plan was for me to come back in September and do that. And, and, and I, and I did for a while. And, and then I, I got, uh, you know, in November, I found out that, you know, they did a, uh, they did a test and found out that, um, the radiation that came out worked, that was, I was cancer free. And, uh, so that, that was, that was great news. Um, and, uh, I had so so much support through that it was unbelievable the support i had from everywhere um just all over the place and it was just really humbling and so with that being said the radiation when you have radiation it did a damage it did some pretty good damage on my throat um to get to get the cancer out of there so i i i got something called lymphedema through that which is a buildup of fluid um you know with through your lymph nodes so my my throat was closed and so and it, and it still is so i've had a feeding tube since last um since last july so every day i have these six cans of fluid that i that i kind of pour in my stomach um and all my water so nothing goes down my throat my meds and stuff have to go through there so that's three times a day and then i'm i'm doing stuff to strengthen that it's slowly slowly starting to come back it's just a real slow process about a year out and sometimes you know it all depends on the you know on the individual but it's slowly starting to come back but um so that's been rough um it's been mentally challenging um if you can imagine um i'm a big guy i used to be a lot bigger and uh like i like my food <laughs> i felt like i invested a lot of money into my food over the years you know and and, right. and, it, and it showed <laughs> on my uh on my body type so uh but, uh, you know, I've been trying to stay. Some people told me when I first got this, the best thing is to stay positive. So I've just stayed positive the whole time. If I had bad days, sure. But I've really tried to just stay positive and be a positive influence for people and, and realize that there's a lot of people out there in the world that are a lot worse off, a lot worse off than I am. So I'm just battling through. Um, you know, I'm strong in my faith. It's made me stronger that way. And uh, I've had some, some pretty pretty good friends through this that helped me battled and i'm sure you you've heard and know about me being friends with kobe absolutely kobe, uh, yes kobe was a good friend of mine that challenged me a lot through this and uh when when i had to have some transfusion and stuff and i had to stay in a nursing i had to stay in assisted nursing facility for about three weeks and he came and visited me and uh made them get me out of bed and I almost had to learn how to walk again a little bit. So my first walk was, you know, I had this thing strapped to me behind me and they were holding me and I had a walker in front of me and I was kind of walking down the hallway and, you know, trying to get my strength back and, uh, got in the hallway and, and then the lady goes, okay, you ready to go back? I go, yeah. And Kobe goes, no, he's not ready. I'm like, what? He goes, no, we keep going. because don't be soft. I, he, told, <laughs> he called me another yeah. day, but I don't want to share that on here. So, uh, so <laughs> we ended up walking, you know, triple to where we're going to walk. And he just, when we got back to the room, he, he sat there for a 
couple hours with me and was just sharing some of the stories that he'd been through and how he persevered through a lot of the tough times in his situation, the injuries he's had and his shoulder and Achilles and everything else that he, that he dealt with and just was, and then he would just text me and challenge me and see how I was doing. So that, that meant the world to me to have somebody like Kobe has been through that and just know that he, with all the stuff he had going on, that he would take the time to make sure I was okay. So that, that gave me extra strength and that really helped me motivate me obviously. So very, very thankful. And, and I had a lot of friends that were there, a lot of, a lot of, um, um, a lot of people that had gone through the same thing I did. Coach Mark up in Montana was Ben's coach up there. He reached out. Um, and, uh, um, Bill from the coach, I'm going blank with his last name right now. Um, Bill Snyder from Play Famous Hall of Fame sure. coach from uh, Kansas State called me and reached out to me. Kansas State called me yeah. and told me he went through yeah. the same thing and was giving me advice and stuff. Um, so I had I had a uh, I had a lot of a lot of really good support from all over the place and and th- and you know those just happen to be big names, but a lot of my a lot of my friends too that um, that I grew up with and everything. Just I mean support from everywhere. I mean it's just so humbling so humbling and so blessed to be able to to uh to have that many people care about me so it really helped me through those those tough times so um i'm doing better i'm getting stronger daily um i'm just really working hard to get my throat to work again i plan on coaching my team my my school was amazing and so supportive when i coached my first game back um i came back for a while before I, i got weak again um and coached the game. They packed the gym, and um, I was able to address the crowd. And it happened to be the same week um, that Kobe's uh, unfortunate helicopter down went down with Gigi and everybody else. So okay. we kind of did it a night for my return and to honor them too. And so I had his, I had the Mama team in the gym and their parents, and and uh, they walked out of half court and acknowledged them. And so it was just a really special night for me. Um, just felt the love like crazy. And I still feel it to this day. So, but I'm working on it. Thanks for, thanks for asking. It's yeah. kind of a long answer, but uh, I think people like hearing that story. Yeah. Absolutely on that. It's amazing. My, my family, see, I'm a, <clears throat> I, I interview a lot of California. I grew up in San Jose, California. So I have, I live in Georgia. But all my family lives in California, so um, I have an affinity for Californians like yourself. But uh, a lot of my family has gone through cancer. Grandparents, um, my sister now, you know, my aunt, I mean, my, my cousin. So it's prevalent in our family. So, And it's amazing how support and the mental side is that, you should know, is that as, as important as the physical treatment? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, physical treatments are rough, but um, I think just, you know, going from being able to do whatever you want to be able to live and be, to be limited in what you do and then having a fear of, you know, what you're dealing with. And then, you know, I was guilty of not knowing. I mean, I've had, like you, I mean, we've all had people that we know and, 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 and have suffered through these things. And um, I, I didn't know too much about some of this stuff, you know, because you get consumed in, excuse me, in your own world. But, but once you're going through it, boy, it, it is. And, 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 but I think. 
Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Hello, my name is Rory Hamilton. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Norman North High School in Norman, Oklahoma. If you're looking for top-notch basketball coaching instruction and help, look no further than the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. You can listen about our five keys to success at Norman North Girls Basketball, along with many other podcasts at championshipvision.org or listen on Spotify at Championship Vision. Happy hooping. The thing that really helped me from having a lot of bad days where, you know, I just had just wasn't really into it was the advice I got about staying positive. And then, you know, and then the thing about being a Christian, too, is just giving it to the Lord and, and, and knowing that you're going to be OK and he's going to look after you no matter what happens. You know, and so that really helped me through it, too. And then, like I said, the support of my current team. My players were unbelievable, and my assistant coach took over was great. I mean, I I couldn't, I can't even express to, express to you how how amazing that was. They would constantly send me notes and tell me how much they loved me and miss me and were pulling for me. And you know, that's why it goes back to important to build those relationships and have the communication because, like, when you need that love and support the most, I mean, they're there for you. You know, so I mean, I can't put into words how how honored I was and blessed I am to, to have the support I have. It's like, I just did a big, I just, did you hear about right. the big um, coaching clinic? I just was able to be a part of, put on. You know. Yeah. I think it, um, you might want to, cause I, I was reading an article about um, one of the coaches uh, from Arizona, uh, uh, coach Barnes, but it might've been another clinic you put on. Tell me about well, that. I just a did bit. a clinic. I did a, I do, I've done one every year where it's kind of give back to the game, but also fundraiser for Vanguard where I have coaches come in and we, you know, we did it in our gym. We had my players there and we had, we cut it off at 50 coaches. We, you know, most of them are division one, but I think about high schools and, and high school coaches and stuff like that too. And some NAI and junior college and division two and three, but, and we would go out there and it was sharing. We'd have any main speakers. We just all shared, you know, and we like, hey, you know, okay. Kevin, why don't you show me like, you know, one of your favorite out of bounds plays or a shooting drill or how you guys cover, you know, middle on ball screens or whatever. And so we get out there and I use my players and it was great. This is year nine. I wasn't going to do it this year because I think the biggest thing was doing it in person. I started it nine years ago with uh, Reagan Peebley, who's a TCU coach. And then uh, but I got the idea from um, I was, when I was on the board of directors for the uh for the, uh, the WBCA, um, I was on there, and, and me and Muffet, the old Notre Dame coach, just retired. We would, we would on our breaks, we would go sure. out and we'd go out and, and share X's and O's, and I really liked that. And then, and then her team started going to Final Four every year, so couldn't do that anymore. And I was missing those sessions. Like, why do we have to wait for the Final Four? So I got with a couple of coaches, about seven or eight of us. We got in a hotel room in Vegas. We got a suite, and we all met out there because it was cheaper to fly there. And, and uh, we, would, we would go out tonight at night for dinner and do things. And then during the day, we would just share X's and O's. And, and then that kind of grew. And then, and then I just brought it to Vanguard. And then uh, we, it, we've been doing it ever since.
And so this year we did it virtually. Um, and I, and okay, I wanted to sure. do something with cancer. So I called up my friends at the K out fund and, uh, we got them involved. So we were able to uh, give some proceeds to them and then, uh, and then, you know, proceeds to my program, like we always do. And then it was a hit. We had about 200 coaches on there and, uh, we had most of the big names, um, in coaching. Um, I had three interviews and then everybody else did like, um, you know, everybody else kind of did, they shared, um, you know, they shared videos or chalk talk, whatever. Um, it was not just cause I did it, but I mean, the feedback I got was just unbelievable. So my sit down interviews, I opened the thing up. I had to sit down with Gino, um, had a 45 minute talk with Gino and then, um, then we got right into it, and then the next day I, I had a, I opened up with a talk with Tara from Stanford, and then um, I had another interview with Don Staley, South Carolina and our USA coach. So then in between there, I had coaches doing their other things. We had them all: Kelly Grace from Oregon, and and Jeff Wallace from Louisville. Um, you know, to name a few, uh, everybody knows uh, uh, Mike Neighbors too. From, you know, Charmin, right, and Cal, right, sure. head coach, and Corey, Corey Close from UCLA, and Reagan Peebley was on there. And we had uh, and Nikki from LSU, and I mean, I'm I'm forgetting Bonnie from you. I mean, I'm, there's we had we had over twenty of them. It was amazing, and everybody did great. I'm I'm I hate throwing names out there because I know I'm missing people. But uh, Doug Bruno from DePaul, man, <laughs> man of Butler from Florida down sure. there. I mean, they were just they were all over the place. And the support I had was just, it was just amazing. You know, Adia Barnes from uh, Arizona. Yeah. I mean, they're coming to me, but so it was two days and uh, it was quite a hit. And uh, so it was 80 bucks. You couldn't beat it. And it, w- it went to good causes. And, you know, two days of hearing all those, those legendary coaches talk. Oh, Sherry Cole from Oklahoma. Yeah. They're all coming back to me. So yeah, it was just like mm-hmm. one after one after the other, as you can <laughs> tell, it was, uh, it was loaded. So, and everybody I called said, whatever you need, you know? So, and, uh, most of those people I got to know, they've been friends of mine for years from serving with them or, you know, or them recruiting my players or, you know, every three or four years we go play UConn and get killed. So me and Gino have become buddies. And so he was one of the first ones I called <laughs> and, and we played Stanford every other year. So, I called those two, and once I had those two on board, and, and I go, okay, I, those are my anchors, and fill them behind it. And I called up Don Staley, and she was awesome. Um, so yeah, whatever you need. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm on a roll. Keep it up. So we just kept going, and it was all good. So yeah, <laughs> we going. That's it right. was real good success, as you can <laughs> imagine. How how um now, there was I guess one the, the good thing about this pandemic is. I think the communication, the virtual clinics and everything's been amazing. Um, how do you get access to your clinics? And I'm because I'm a virtual clinic guy. I love those. But how can we get access to your clinic? And I'm not sure if I've seen your because there's so many virtual clinics out there. What's the best way? Can we still get access? To yeah. Um, unfortunately, since I partnered with. Um, you know, with the chaos fund and everybody else had to pay, we, we'd have to, we, we, we taped it. We'd have to, we'd have to, uh, have to, have to charge it. Cause it's not fair to everybody else that 
at paid. But uh, yeah, if you you know if you email right. my assistant at Vanguard, um, we can get that done for you. Yeah, but um, you know, and not I'm not talking, I'm not talking just about yeah, you, absolutely. Anybody, all yeah. your listeners, whoever's listening, whatever the situation is. But, uh, that's just kind of how it's sure. set up because it's it's a uh, it's it's going to a couple of causes, so we just can't just throw it out there. But everybody, every right, every right. paid attendee got well, I, got the link and got those. They got all the handouts. They got all the presentations. They got all the interviews. They got everything. So I, I think it was well worth it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I I'm I um man I I'm upset that I I didn't get into because I I usually try to get as much clinic information as possible and so forth because there's so many great people that are sharing. Um, yeah, if you don't mind, I'd love to have your assistance contact i would love to get access and i'd be glad to donate to the great cause so i mean i, I would love to have that information um what from those clinics was there anything that stood out from one of the one of the speakers and so forth that now is hey i can bring that back to my program well there's lots to be honest with you but i was so focused on making sure everything was going good and getting the speakers in the rooms and getting them on there that i didn't i, right. I didn't um my part of it was just kind of communicating with the coaches and getting them ready and then having a conversation with them and thanking them and, and welcoming them. Um, so I haven't got a chance to go back and watch some of it yet. To, so to, but I think that, uh, I think the thing that I got out of it was, um, just the real realness of people. And then, uh, and how everybody has like their, their non-negotiables and they have their, their core principles, what they do. And, uh, and just dropping nuggets on their successes and what's important to them. It was, you know, it's funny. I was teasing Amanda Butler, the head coach at, uh, at Clemson. I was teasing her because she's the only one that really spoke on defense and everybody else was talking about offense. So it's like, we, we better do, we better do a defensive <laughs> one of these things soon because everybody was excited about coaching offense, but it was, uh, you know, those were nice, but the biggest thing I got about it is how much everybody just wanted to share and how everybody was so humble and nobody, I mean, you think about the names I had on there, the best in the business, you know, most of the, best, I mean, and they were just right. so humble and, 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 and eager to share and to help people. And we got some of these guys are just giving out their cell phone numbers to people. Call me, let me know how I can help you. Here's my email or whatever. I'll, I'll get, I'll, you know, I'll help you whatever you want. I was just more blown <laughs> away by the willingness of people to do that. <coughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. And I, I interview mostly high school coaches and I, it's always a great privilege to interview, interview college coaches like yourself. Um, do you feel like at the high school level, I don't think we're, there's so many prominent great high school coaches and you were one at, uh, at one time yourself. Do we not seek enough information? Because I know I've learned a lot from high school coaches just from picking their brain. Do we do enough well, of that? That's as a good coaches? question. Um, I can just tell you what I've done. Um, when I first started, I, I used to go work camps as many camps as I could for people, you know, um, when I, like I said, I coach guys. So I, I go up and work my Montgomery's camp at uh, Stanford. Um, I worked that. I went back one time to work. Uh, this tell you how old I am. Dean Smith was a coach in North Carolina. I went back and did his. Roy Williams, Roy Williams was his assistant. <laughs> right. So I'm aging myself. Um, and so um, <laughs> I used to go 
you know, and then I went to Bill Mulligan's camp, who was a UCI coach for years. And I, I went to all these camps and then I, and then I went to practices. I still go to college practices to this day. Um, I'd like to go to practices um, and, 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 and watch. And then it's, it's been interesting to me because a lot of times when I go to these practices, the coaches will bring me over afterwards and have me tell my, tell their team what I saw. And I'm like, well, my life's changed because I wish I was like a sponge. Now I'm actually telling them what I think. Uh, it's just kind of funny to me, but, uh, so it happens when you've been around for so long that, uh, so it's been, it's been, it's been great. I, I just love learning. And I, I just, I mean, I just really love learning things. You know, there's not much I haven't seen because I've just been coaching for 40 years. But then what it does is it draws memories of things from the past, like, oh, and then a different way you can do it. Like, okay, well, let me do this. Because I can't tell you how many, how many plays or drills I've come up with in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep. You know, just like, okay. About this. <laughs> exactly. Because I think I think the biggest thing that we, that you know I, I really don't think coaching is that difficult. I think sometimes we we make it difficult. We just get on our own heads and we feel like the more is better, but actually less is better. Less is more, you know. And I right I've done a lot less in the in 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 the last ten years or so than I used to. I, I used to think I had to run like five offices and five defenses and thirty set plays. And but you, not only am I confusing myself, but I'm confusing my team. You know, you know, so, you know, get a couple things, you know, then you look back in the old days, like what Coach Wooden used to do. He was, he'd ran that same offense, the same thing with Dean Smith. Those guys ran that same offense for years. They're like, this is what we're going to run. Stop it. You know, and look at Bill Jackson. Everybody knew they were running the right. triangle, right? And so they just did variations of it. So um, I'll tell you a quick funny story, if you don't mind. My stories aren't quick, so sorry about sure, that. Sure, sure. We're killing it. We're sucking up this hour. We love stories quick, here. <laughs> one of my one of my coaches, well, about three or four years ago, called me and and she was like, "Coach, I'm so frustrated." She goes, "I, I need a new zone offense." We we had a game and I and we we were like we were twelve for seventy from the field. And I and I go, "What are you talking about?" She goes, "Yeah, guys, I just we're just not getting it done offensively." I go, "You don't need a new offense. You got seventy shots. It's not your offense." It's some people, some people within the <laughs> offense. Sure. So, so, so you got to give them better shots. You got to, you, you know, so it's like, a, you know, it's not brain surgery here. Like, I think the easiest thing to do is like, what I try to do is I try to figure out my team dynamics and what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are and try to incorporate things in my offense and defense that are going to put us, gear us closer to our strengths and our weaknesses. Okay, and then in the meantime, you work on your weaknesses as a team and individually to try to get them to be strengths. Okay, but you can't because you can't ignore people's weaknesses. You got to you got to get them better. But you know, and then you got to be able to change. So many people go in with the same game plan. I'm not changing no matter what defensively. You know, and I used to be that guy. Ah, I'm not playing zone zones for people that don't want to spend their time teaching it. They're just lazy. They don't want to teach man to man, so they they just throw them in a zone. But then I started getting beat by some, some zones and I had to right. figure them out. So then I started monkeying around with some zones and I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, this isn't that bad. Let's mix it up, you know? So um, I think you have to adapt to change. Um, and, uh, you know, you have to be ready for those things. So I don't know if I got off your, I have a tendency to, to curve away from, not curve away yeah. from it, but get off topic sometimes. So I, I hope that uh, I didn't get too far off topic. 
Not, not at all, Coach. And I want to go right into the buzz defense because, you know, Mike Devilbus, I we run – now we're I, – I, I like to do things differently, and that's, that's just who I am. We run um, – I mean, we're pressing all over the court because I feel at the high school level – um, girls struggle sure. with ball handling. So, and I just, that's just, that's the way I like to coach. Um, so we're, you know, we're two, two, one pressure. We have different rotations out of it. We go buzzed, how we call the high buzz, our 24 defense. And then, man, we're trying to trap all over the place. And man, it causes teams fits. Tell us about how you run, if you do run the buzz still, because every, everybody I talk to you says, man, you got to talk to you. Coach Davis at Vanguard. So I want to get you, I want to pick your brain on what you do with the buzz yeah, defense. We do. I'm hoping um, you still run it. You know, we run against teams, like you said, at the college level. I mean, we've had major success against it, uh, with that over the years. I mean, since we've been running it, we've probably won 85 to 90% of our games. And that's been, you know, since 2006. So that's a pretty good rate. Um, but, uh, we, yeah. we basically run that on a made basket or anytime we can set it up, you know, um, and then on a miss, we're in a five. But we run it different ways. Um, I think the best way to do it is uh, is having pretty good length, you know, and then, you know, and then uh, we'll, we'll extend it. You know, we won't extend it too much past half court now that there's a 10 second rule, you know, um, but well, my club teams over the years, I have extended to three quarter and kind of did what you did, trapped everywhere and had people rotate because there was, you know, we had so much balance and a lot of people are the same size, we can get away with that. But um, here we try to be, you know, we pack it in a little bit more up to probably a three point line and we angle our guards out in the two one two set. And then uh, we don't trap very much in the middle of the floor. We usually trap on the sides and just try to keep it over there on the side and kind of deny reversals and try to just squeeze everything over there. Um, a lot of people, when they catch the ball, a lot right. of people, I know Mike, when Mike runs, you know, um, to go back a little bit. So I, I, I took the buzz, the old days, the Oklahoma schools used to run that and they used to win all the championships in AI and, and they beat us a couple of times in the final course. So that's why, that's why I put it in. Cause we had to, we had to figure out how to beat it. And then, uh, but they would, you know, get the ball in the wing and they would like corral you and almost guide, you know, and almost want you to drive into their post, you know. And then the better players you have, the better playmakers you have, sometimes you get by those people and then you're asking your post to try to stop a, a really athletic guard and then my post would get in foul trouble. So I like to, I like to just trap because like right. you said, once you get your trap set, you know, and this is nothing about girls, but a lot of, a lot of girls can't make that jump up and make a skip. A lot of guys can't do it either jump up, make a skip pass over a double team to the weak side. So we right. just leave the weak side open and try to squeeze everything over there. And depending on who you're playing and what their strengths are, um, you can really squeeze them. Like I like to get in the shooter's heads early. You know, I don't want the shooters to get comfortable. So I like to trap them early and hard, let them think like, Hey, we're, we're coming at you. So they don't, you know, that screws up their mindset most of the time. So, uh, you know, if somebody runs an overload, then we'll bring our post out. You know, we'll bring our then our weak side forward to come over, but um, and then we'll trap hard down with our, with our um, with our wing on that. Um, it's kind of hard to explain just over the phone, but we'll but we will we will raise raise it up and back it up a little bit depending on what we're trying to get across. If, if the other team has a 
if they're, you know, if they're attacking it by trying to space out and, you know, get all these kind of passing angles, then we'll back it up a little bit and wait for them to come to us. And then, you know, kind of like attack them that way when they get in attack zone. Um, but a lot of it is like who you're playing and how they're going to attack you. The best thing about it is you probably found out that, mm-hmm. you know, sure. it's hard to prepare for, you know, and there's only so many things you can do against it. So if, you know, if you're, you know, you, you know, if you can make good in-game adjustments, and I, I feel like I've, I've been able to do that over the years, then, you know, people need practice time to go over that stuff. And, you know, you only have so many timeouts, you know, you can't go in a 10, 12 minute right. halftime and try to draw things up and figure them out. It's hard. You know, sometimes it takes people two days of practice to get ready for you. <clears throat> so I, I think that that's, uh, you know, but we're aggressive. We, we attack everything. We set our traps. Um, we, 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 nothing goes to the high post. Basically our rule is nothing in the middle third of the floor, unless they're just bringing it across. And then once it gets out of the middle third, we, we quite, we kind of keep it sighted. And then and if it's, if it gets thrown out of there, if it gets up top, if it has to, if they have to exit through closer to the, to the half court, then we just fall back an angle again and be ready to set again when they hit a side. If they try to dribble penetrate from up top, you know, through the middle, We'll we'll double or even triple team sometimes. So yeah. a lot of times, if you're out there and you get triple team, you don't want to go there anymore. So you you know you won't go there. So then that person up top just becomes a facilitator and not even an offensive threat anymore. So a lot of it depends on how they attack you. But yeah, we're I'm in, like you. I'm in the aggressive mode versus the passive mode. Um, I rather get after people and force them to make decisions why they're, you know, you know why they're anxious and why they're disturbed and 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 uncomfortable and uncomfortable. <laughs> I hope that helped a little bit. Right. And it, it really does. And, and the adjustments, cause I've, I've interviewed other coaches that run it. Uh, and I'm surprised there's not more coaches, particularly at the high school level that run it. But um, one adjustment that I am going to make is last year I had two little freshmen. No, they were good little freshman guards, but they were small. So I asked one of the coaches, uh, her name's Celeste Ratka uh, in uh, Wisconsin, and she has championship level coach. And I say, coach, and she said, coach, hey, put your bigger forwards up top. And, well, you know, it seems like an obvious thing, but I mean, they're all, my forwards are also good athletes. Put your forwards that are size, a little size up top, then have your little guards down low on the wings or what we call the three spot, whatever the three position. But, um, and that's an adjustment we're going to make because, man, people are throwing over the top. However, my sure. freshman guards are growing. <laughs> so, um, what adjustment would you make? You like? I'm sure you like size. I'm sure you like size well, probably like everywhere like on the court. The but up top, I have it, and then you know, typically people are going to attack the right side of the floor more. That just statistics show that. So, I like to put on my low forward spot. You know. Um, I will put a smaller person there sometimes um, if it helps. Um, and because, you know, if we're going to extend it out, then if they throw them the ball, then, you know, they're going to be able to stop penetration, you know, and, and hold that until the cavalry comes so we can retract. Um, but uh, I've done that too. So right. typically what I'll do is I'll, I'll try to put a linked up top, my center in the middle, and then, you know, um, a forward on – well, you're facing the basket, the left side, because that needs, I think that needs to be your best rebounder, one of your best rebounders over there. 
because a lot of the shots are going to come from the right side because most people are right-handed and right-sided, right? So I would put my best rebounder over there and then my best defender right. on that on the on the opposite side. And now we I have my posts front everything. They front the high post, they front the low post, they front everything. And 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 everything's behind them. You know, because as statistics show, if somebody's gonna shoot over there that you know, most of the balls are gonna go on the other side. <clears throat> so you can get away with running. So I like to just I like to choke it out. So, yeah, so I've done the same thing. I've done that, too, where, you know, I've had smaller smaller athletes on those forward spots for sure, 100%. And, and you know, it all depends, like I said before, the makeup of your team. You know, um, if you're going to hide somebody, yeah. probably the best spot to hide them would be, you know, one of the tops, like the weak side top spot, you know. You know, but then, you know, when the ball gets over there, they got to rotate over and front that high post. So uh, in my system, anyway, we haven't. So once the ball gets sided, we're fronting a low post, a high post, and we're trapping everything on that side. And then we'll bring bring our other side. If if somebody gets, if we trap you and you get sided, you turn a little bit where you can't see, you can't see what's in front of you anymore. Then we're going to sneak our forward up over there and squeeze the high post with her and then and take our guard off the high post and deny reversal. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I, that's funny. You mentioned that. That's what we're going to be doing more of this year um, is really trying to really trying to force that, that long skip pass. My, um, my, my one issue is, is it is on overload when the ball goes to the corner. I have a big girl in the middle um, and she's a good player. But she lacks a little bit of foot quickness, and then we're trying to improve in that. But that's another issue. But, um, but you know, we like to trap that corner. But the adjustment I'm making, coach, tell me, tell me, help me out a little bit, is we're not going on an all-out trap. She's kind of going almost like we're walling that corner when she's in there. So I don't want her to totally commit because you completely take her out of rebounding spots. Well, what I've done is what I adjustments had a can I make there? I've had some over the years that were weren't noble enough to get out there and then or when they try to come back get sealed out which a lot of people like to do which is a good you know good offensive ploy um if they start with an overload then we won't trap yeah. that wing we'll match up out of it so it'll just kind of be a matchup you know and then if they throw the ball in the corner there and then we'll go trap that and then we'll get back into it so that keeps our we'll trap it with the forward and that guard so that that keeps that keeps the center in because Okay. You, you get, okay. It gets tricky when they start with overloads like that. So another thing you can do is you can, you know, if you feel like that's hurting you, you know, then go, then then bring your pressure up and trap them right when they cross half court. Okay. And then bring everybody up because now that pass from that half court spot all the way to the corner, that's, that's, that has a lot of air underneath it. So you're going to be able to move that thing out of bounds or steal it. Right. right. So those are the two first two adjustments that come to mind that I would do. But typically what we do, the call is over because there's better ball handlers and better passers and better shooters. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. Shooters, you know, then most high school teams, obviously. 
So we would we would match up with that, and then that kind of screws them up, you know. So. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, because um, the coaches and I, I even had Mike take a look at some of my tape from last year, and he says, "Coach, man, he always says this. He goes, man, you got to fly around more.' I thought my girls were aggressive. He says, "Man, you got to trap more. You got to be more aggressive." And I'm saying, "What?" So, I mean, it's funny how you have really great coaches that know the defense and they go, man, you got to be more aggressive. And I, I love that feedback from coach because a lot of times yeah. we think our teams are really aggressive. And a lot of times it's, it's not. I always love getting the feedback I from think a when I'm putting unbiased in, I think that's source. Huge. I mean, you, you got it has to be, you know, there's long or short sprints everywhere. And, you know, and you just, you got to be aggressive in that. It doesn't, otherwise, it's just a matchup zone. If you're really going, if you're really going to trap and do right. a ride, then then trap and do a ride. But who, who, who? You know, I always try to tell our players: put yourself in the offensive person's shoes and eyes. I mean, are you going to be more comfortable if somebody kind of casually goes up to you and just and gives you space? Wouldn't you want to play against that person all day long? Or, or, or right. what about what about the people that run up to you and trap you and make contact with you and are physical with you? What's easier? Oh yeah, this is okay. Well, then do what's harder. You know, I mean, it's simple. So I, I, I think instead, sometimes as coaches, we just tell people to do it, and we don't explain why. I think we have to. I think I think what's really important and right. helped me is like you, you, and I think that's why I have so many of my players are coaches because they understand the game more. You know, don't just you know, so many coaches will get mad in timeouts so like you guys aren't playing hard. Well, what's that mean? You know, some coaches. So then they go out there and they push and shove. And they think they're trying right. hard. They're not. Right now, they're just shoving and pushing. You know, I mean, you have to explain to them like why they're doing it and what the results are going to be, and and what happens when they do it and what happens when they don't do it versus just telling them to do it. Some coaches are like just listen to me, just do what I say. Well, then they're, they're all just going to be curious, right? So that's part of teaching. <laughs> right. So I just think it's so important that you you tell them why <laughs> they're doing it, what you're looking for, how it's going to, what what they can possibly do. You you coach them up. I mean, that's what you, you know, it does say that in front of our name, right? We're coaches. So, and, and then people get mad at people <laughs> if they don't know how to do something. But, you know, I'm not going to get mad if you don't know how to do something if I haven't taught you. You know, that's that's on me. But if I told you something and we go over it all the time, well, that's a whole different, then that's a whole different topic, you know. But, you know, but you, you got to coach them up and teach them. So, but back on the other case, I, I just think, I don't think this, I don't think I call it 21. We, we, we call it 21. But uh, so we, you know, we right. do it super, super aggressive. When, once it gets into an offensive area where you become an offensive threat, then we're, then we're on you. I mean, we're on you. So, I mean, we're supposed to be. Sometimes, you know, we all want them to be a little bit more aggressive than they are, but that's, that's the plan anyway. But I agree with Mike. Me and Mike have had many conversations. I know yeah, he's me. We're good friends. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I know. Mike's philosophy, but again, it doesn't work unless you're sprinting everywhere and getting the passing lanes and getting deflections and tips and stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I got to mention another coach, and you probably know him, Dr. Dr. Anthony Gappas from Mr. Waterloo Poster. High School. Uh, he, I love that guy, man. He, of course, he, he, he told me, he says, Coach, Hey, I'll I'll tell you about my 21, but I can't send you video because I'm gonna have to kill you. It's like, what? Tony, just tell me about their 21 defense. He says, Well, 
you know, he started talking about you and so forth. So, hey, talk about your relationship yeah. with him, man. Well, what Tony's a great, great coach he I is. I got goosebumps just hearing Tony. <laughs> I've known Tony because, you know, we're both involved with Nike. So, uh, we used to we used to run, um, um, not run, we used to work the Nike All-American camps way back in the days, um, you know, in Indianapolis when they had them out there. And then we, then we switched over and they did Nike skills and Nike nationals and the rest of history. But, but we go way back. And then, uh, yeah, my, when I coached my club teams, Tony would always, you know, he was one of the monitors for them. He'd, he'd work those tournaments and he'd always switch the people so he'd come watch my team play after every game. So, hey, tell me about this. Hey, you're going to run your 21 day? I'm going to come watch, you know. Hey, send me, send me some film. Send me some this. Send me some that. So <laughs> That's right. So we've had many conversations over the years. I love Tony. That guy is right. just uh, always wanting to learn. That's a great example of one of the most successful high school coaches we have, you know, uh, in the country, obviously. And uh, But he's always wanting to learn and get better. That's neat. He called, I didn't know he called it 21. So that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, another part of your lineage, coach, man. You have so much impact. Um, but I, I tell you, um, uh, Coach Pappas, I um I have a lot of VHS tapes, which also says about my age too, coach. So um, and I said, Coach, I don't have all your tapes. And he says, Coach, I'll just I'll I'll mail you, I'll mail you all my videos. Cause I I, I think he's the yeah, best skills coach around. I mean, post development, fundamental perimeter game. I think he's one of the best on that. But he also tells me, he says, man, I went out and learned all this from different coaches. And just like you're saying from the Nike. That's what you do. And I agree with you. I haven't, you know, every time I see Tony, (laughs) I don't see him with his teams. I just see him in the Nike element. So, but you can just tell by having conversations with him. Right. That, you know, and and how he's learning and the questions he's asking. and, And like I said, the conversation we're having about, different teams we i'd sit there you know in a chair next to him sometimes and watch teams and we'd like what do you think about that or what do you think about that so we'd pick each other's brains and you know and that's great i think that's what you know that's what everybody needs to do and what i think people don't realize is there's there is so many good high school coaches out there so many good high school coaches there's a there's there's high school coaches that are better than college coaches and and, and so on. I mean, there just is, and they just choose to be where they're at. So it's like, sometimes people get this, like on this pedestal, like, uh, oh, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Like I've been asked so many times over the years, how come you, you didn't want to go do this. I'm happy where I'm at. You know, I don't need to prove anything. I, I mean, I'm on, I want to be happy. And I like, I like where I'm at. It's not about what level I'm at. And if I didn't coach club, I probably would have ventured in there, but I also have so many friends that are college coaches and I hear their struggles and, and, you know, or not knowing when their job, if they're going to have a job the next year or not, or, or head coaches that don't trust their assistants and assistants that don't trust their head coaches and people rotating everywhere and, and pressure of winning. And uh, it's just, you know, I don't need that stress. You know, I, I not that I don't think I could be successful in it because I would do what I'm doing now. And I think that's a successful model. But um, I just don't think sometimes high school coaches – there's some bad ones out there too. Let me, you know, for sure. But there's also some some college coaches that, right. that aren't that aren't up there either. So um, we have it at all levels. So um, I, I would just say that um, you know, for for anybody that's listening, that go watch as many good. You know, if you watch a team play and you watch, you know, and you like it, then I'm pretty sure those coaches are going to invite you to their practices. You know, I mean, I, you know. 
they're they're gonna they're gonna want to oh, try yeah. to help you. Yeah, I don't. Co- no, no doubt about that. I found coaches are great, college and and high school. And, and since we're talking about the buzz, because I really want to find out the origin, I got the name Jerry Finkbeiner, um, a coach at Southern Nazareth. Is he the tell me tell me the origin of the defense coach? Because I'm a history buff. Is he the one that started the as buzz? As far as I know, he was the one that started running and had the most success back in the days um, at Southern Nazarene. There was a time there where Southern Nazarene and Oklahoma City were both running it, and those two were playing for national championships every day at the NAR mm-hmm. level. And uh, and they and they right. they could have beat a lot of Division One teams. Trust me. Um, and so they're the ones that started. There was a run there. I think that people that ran the buzz and ourselves included because we wanted to had won like maybe 10 straight national championships and their main defense was, was the buzz. So it was really kind of dominating any either. I'm really surprised more people haven't tried it at the college level. Um, I actually, uh, right. I've, I've showed some coaches that over the years um, and they've run a little bit of it. Um, 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 Dayton coach came out um, a while back and, and looked at it and I've had a lot of coaches come and watch me put it in in my, in my September practices and, and they've, they've, they've run different styles of it. Louisville ran, tried to run a little bit, Jeff did on some things or, um, you know, back in the day. And so, uh, yeah, so it's, I know people have tried it. I know uh, Reagan runs sometimes over there at TCU. She ran a lot more before she got there at TCU, but, um, more and more people are trying to are figuring out defensively. I mean, offensively, how to do some things, but um, it still disrupts you. It still takes away a lot of your strengths. So then you just have to, you just have to, you know, to, to get through it. But I think, yeah, Jerry is the one as far back as I remember started running it. Mike ran it a lot at Lewis and Clark. Um, he ran it at Idaho too, um, and then he ran it. They ran it a lot at um, at uh, before he was at Illinois. Um, what was that school he was at before Illinois? I forget that college. I'm going blank right now. Um, Milwaukee. Um, I I think it's um, Green Green Bay. Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay. Milwaukee Green Bay. Yeah. It was funny because people get ready to play those guys, and then I've my friends that are college coaches that call me up, but hey, we're playing so and so, the buzz. I know you're running that. How can we beat it? (laughs) I'm not telling you that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna give out that's right secrets, so <laughs> but yeah so i think as far back as i know coach fink is the one that that did that um you know the most probably yeah absolutely and, and i because i really i really want to get a lot of information from you from the buzz on this before you go give me some how you how do you put it in because i know it's been a long podcast how do you put it in give me maybe a couple practice drills uh, I'm being selfish here. I'm trying to steal from you. Um, give me some key things. I have my practice drills, but I want to know what the best does. What do you do to put well, it in? I kind of do it backwards. Um, you know, I've, I just I kind of put the finished product in and then and then <laughs> go in reverse order. Tell them what we're trying to accomplish and then break it back down. So I do some things backwards okay. that most people do. Um, I will send you um, – I'll, I'll, once we get back in our office, I will send you a, a – a copy of our 21, how we put it in and with when I have a microphone and stuff like that, that'll help you. 
because it's better great, to see that you kind of talked about over here, but um, the drills. But I will, I will definitely you just remind me. Sure. I'll send that to you. Yeah. All right, that'd be great, Coach. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I'll um, yeah, either through is it through email or I can also yeah, give no, you my address uh, too we'll, if you need. We'll just, and I'll uh, pay for you whatever. Just email me once, um, once we get out of this mess we're in. Where we can't go back to school yet. We're we're kind of hit hard. Than, you wouldn't. You couldn't tell we're hit hard with this pandemic right. in California with everybody outside, but uh, but we're we're still in the mix of this, so we're still banned <laughs> from our campus. Uh, um, maybe yeah. So right. Yeah. But uh, as soon as I get back and we can get in the office and uh, um, you know, if you if you email me, probably I was hopefully in the next two or three weeks, email me and then I'll we'll just put it in the mail and send it to you. That'd be great, Coach. Man, I really appreciate you sharing. Hey, before you before you go, just give us some one final for a lot of high school coaches that listen to this podcast. Give us some advice on maybe even a beginning level coach coming into the game. You already said a lot of great stuff. Give, give us give us some advice on uh, what we can do to kind of not only build a program from the beginning, but maybe for us experienced coaches, what can we do after this pandemic? to kind of make sure we connect with our players and keep our program wow. positive? Um, I would think, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting question. There's so many things that come to my mind. I would just make sure you have, you have to identify as young coaches, you can't be all over the map because the more you're confused, they'll see it. You have to really kind of figure out what your strengths are as a coach and try to teach those. And then kind of what you do to your players, you know, like, um, you know, put yourself in a position where you can be a really good teacher what you're trying to teach because no one wants to go out there and try to teach an offense. And then you all of a sudden you're like out there fumbling and like, well, we'll get this tomorrow because I can't remember where this person, this is supposed to go. So you should be taking the time we're in right now to really be studying and right. understanding the, the dynamics of your team and what you want to accomplish and how you want to, how you want to go about doing that. Um, um, and then teach what you know best. And then behind the closed doors, you know, experiment, um, you know, except for, you know, not in front of your team. They need to have confidence in you too. And, you know, um, and I, I, sometimes you go, you hear things like, oh, I tried to put this in and I didn't know what I'm doing. And I had my players trying to tell me like, oh, coach, I ran this with my club team. And you don't want to, you don't want to be, I mean, it happens more than we think it does because <laughs> people are out there or they're trying to show what they know or, you know, or, or doing all that stuff. So I think we, right. I'm hoping people are taking this time to, you know, watch videos and or call coaches up or, you know, or, or get on these podcasts like you're doing and, and listen to people that have been around for a while. I'm no better than anybody else. I just have this experience that's it, you know, and I'm just sharing my experiences that help me. My, some of those may help people. I'm hoping they do. And, and some of them may not. And, and just kind of do what I did. I, I go watch a team or a coach practice and, okay, I like that. I don't necessarily agree with that. Then I'm not going to put that in you know, and do what's best for you that you feel most comfortable with because the more comfortable you are, the more comfortable your team's going to be. That makes sense. Yeah. Because I think, I think people try to makes a lot of sense, you know, buy yeah. more than they can choose sometimes. Um, and then um, I think the best thing to do is bring your team back slowly because they haven't been doing a whole lot. I know some teams are doing like zoom workouts and stuff like that. If you haven't been doing that, do that. And, and some states are different than others. Some people right. are going to get back sooner than others. 
Um, I actually think maybe not this long a break, but I actually think this break's been good for people because these kids play so much basketball, you know, between high school and club and it's almost year round. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I talked last year, I asked a couple of my club kids, they said they played between 150 and 200 games last year. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, uh, and you're yeah. coaching, you know, I mean, so you're coaching like, a lot uh, of games. Well, I actually didn't coach <laughs> last summer. That was before I, you know, um, cause I wasn't able to, but, uh, but yeah, but uh, um, I do, you know, I think that's right. helped me. It's helped my mind. It's helped me make quick adjustments because I can't sit there and on film. I have to do it on the run. So I think that's helped me become a better coach actually. But uh, um, I, I didn't have a choice, um, but uh, I think it's going to help them because how are you going to get fired up for a game when you're playing five games a week? You know, my, my favorite phrase is we have so many selected participants out there. Right. Okay. Like, we're playing our rival tomorrow. Okay, I'm gonna. We gotta bring it tomorrow, guys. We gotta bring it because we're playing our rival. No, 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 no. That's not it. No, you gotta bring it every game. You know, and we say that and we know that, but do we really right teach it? You know, do we really? I learned this from Tara Vanderbilt years ago. It's like what you focus on is what you're gonna be best at, and it's so true. You know, each year maybe pick a different thing. You know, one or two things, and really have that be an emphasis. You know, not the only thing you do, but really be an emphasis. Like one year we decided that we we're going to really take a lot of charges. And the good news is we did. We took about 200 charges one year, you know, and, but we practiced it every day. We do things. I mean, it was like our big thing. We, you know, but the bad news is we got beat off the dribble that many right. times that we had to take so many charges. But, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> all right. But, well, you know, and then the next year, it's like, okay, we're going to really try to get our free throw percentage up to 80% as a team, which is high. But so we did things in practice where we had to shoot. And as a team, we had to make right. 80%. Whatever we we're short of, we, we ran sprints for, you know, as a group and, you know, things like that. So whatever you, right. So in this time right now, focus on those things, but bringing the kids back, bring them back slowly. And, uh, you know, because it's, it's a different thing, you know, because they're going to come back the first thing they want to do is see all their buddies and do all that stuff. And, you know, so get a game plan on the best way to do I don't really know because this is all new. We've never been through this before. But I've been in constant contact with my team. I have two two Zoom calls yeah. a week with my team. I have another one today, actually. You know, and we're, you know, and I think this is the time where you guys could be, they should be building team chemistry. Um, you should be working on that now with Zoom calls. Um, and then, you know, and, you know, mm -hmm. and then talking about, you know, who the leaders are and what things you're going to do, uh, individual goals, team goals, you know, those are good things you can do now. So you don't have to do that during the season, you know, so you can make up for some of this time loss if you're not with your team. And you know? so when you get back, then you can get right into the, to the other stuff. But I would start back with the skill development and then slowly get into the team stuff and maybe not play. Don't feel like you have to play catch up and play, play all these games because, People need practice more than they need games. You know, girls need to play games, obviously, because they don't get, they can't go, you can't go by a park and, and see, you know, 20 girls out there waiting to play five on five, you know, so they need more opportunities. I get that. And I understand that as much as anybody does, but you still need to teach them how to play. And, 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 uh, you know, so I don't know. I hope. That's great advice. Yeah, that's great advice, Coach. And I, uh, one thing I love what you said was focus on one thing. And, and that's hard for us coaches, um, focus on one thing. And I know many times, even in the summer, 
It's like, you know, we want to be good and we want to try different things. I think you really, I think that's probably the best advice you give. Now, do you agree that if you focus on one thing, other things start to become better? That's that's what I have found out over the years. So, you know, you say we're going to focus on great closeouts, then all of a sudden the rest of your health defense becomes better. I don't know why it is. Okay, well, obviously, Katie went to UConn. And yes, top, yes. Top player, in, one of the top players in the country, mom, all that. So, well, she was in a shooting slump one time, and I remember talking to her and telling her that, uh, and I went through this with her sisters, too. They both play at Stanford. And those girls are known for shooting, and they're great shooters, and they do all this. But I remember saying, you, you spent so much time on your shot over the years. You know you have a good shot. You're just in your head right now. Go focus on taking charges. Go focus on playing defense. Go focus on being a great communicator to your team. Don't even think about your shot because all your reps and your practice that you've done all those years is going to just take over. And sure enough, you know, and it did because sometimes they just get in their heads. So um, I, I think that when you, when you practice on things you don't normally focus on, then the other things are you actually going to get better because they're not so driven on just doing that. But you still got to practice them. But you, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, makes a lot of sometimes sense. Sometimes yeah. I don't get it out the way I'm thinking it, but uh, it <laughs> comes with age. But hopefully you got the hopefully you got the message. Yeah. No, no, I love that. I did. I, I, I love the advice. All right, Coach, I, I go. I can talk to you all day. I know you got to go. I, yeah, you got to rest your. You got to rest your voice, man. I think I wore you out. I know you. you <laughs> but um. I appreciate you uh, sharing with us. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Because coaches love to contact best the people that email. I is it through um, email? What's the best way um, to get a hold of R Davis? You have my email. You can send that to R Davis Vanguard dot edu. I do. I do. Um, that's that's yeah. the best way. And then uh, and give me some time to get back to you. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's the best way. And I'll and I'd love to get back and and help as much as I can. Not that I'm some guru or something. I just, I just have some experience and I've been fortunate to be successful. So that, that tends to give me a little more credibility, I guess. So, uh, but anyway, I can help anybody. It's not a problem. So I hope, I hope, I hope. Coach, thank you so much. Yeah. And I appreciate you helping me and I'll also our listeners. Thanks for sharing the game. I appreciate that. Yeah. Go all take right. care Thanks of yourself, for, uh, all right? So I want to you. see you back Thanks on the sidelines, all right? all right? Hey, coaches, this is Brad Hilligas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division One, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile, desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. If you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning.